Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers. And the Houston Astros simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline 706-0111, All right, so we've got last night an interesting quarterback matchup for all the QWs. We got Joe Burrow versus Jacoby Brissett. What was the what was the final score in that game? Let's, let's check that out here. For those of us who watched Christmas movies last night because the Astros got rained out, let, let let's check out the final score. Well, wait a minute, um, Jacoby Brissett, his little team scored thirty two points, and um. Joe Burrow, his little team had zero points until the fourth quarter and scored 13 mop-up points in a 32 to 13 face crushing. Hmm. I wonder if football is a team game. What do y'all think? How in the world, for all of you, and, and look, don't most, a lot of you know, knew all along, or some of you knew all along. And we, you can look in the mirror and tell yourself you don't believe it all you want, but you believed it because it, it's, it's what comes out of your mouth. Most American NFL football fans, and most, most, that means more than 50%. American sports media that covers the NFL thinks that the NFL, they're QWs. They think it's all about the quarterback. And they overpraise quarterbacks when they're in great situations. And then they make excuses for those quarterbacks when they're not in great situations. And they totally bypass the fact that football is a team game. It's just, it's unbelievable. We just, they do, we they just do it. it it's, uh, it's, it, it, it's just, it's a team game. So, do you really believe that if he had all his weapons? that Joe Burrow would have looked that bad? Do you really believe that? I don't believe that. So, but wait a minute. I thought he was this great quarterback, worlds ahead of Jacoby Brissett. No, it's a team game. If Jerry Rice played his whole career with the Chicago Bears, we would not know who he was, uh, unless you were a really big fan. I mean... It's a team game. 
it, it, it just constant. And look, they're gonna make all these. How's Aaron Rodgers looking? Well, wait, wait, he doesn't have any receivers. Well, wait a minute. I thought he was a great quarterback. Why does he need great receivers? So was his receivers that made him good, or was it him that made him good? It's a team game. It happens all the time. You got to have a good quarterback. You got to have a quarterback that can make plays and not turn over the football. There's no doubt about it. The Tennessee Titans don't even have quarterback. Like, the that got their quarterback. They have gotten nothing, nothing out of their quarterback this season. Nothing. And they're five and two. Five and two with zero production from the quarterback position. Zero. It's a team game. Tua looked terrible. And they added one of the most explosive wide receivers in the league to him. And now he looks great. But guess what? If they didn't add Tyreek Hill, he would look terrible. Why? Because football is a team game. And everyone would be wanting to run him out of town. But you add an explosive weapon, one of the most explosive weapons around, and suddenly he looks great. And most of them, I'm hoping that through this whole process of studying the QW syndrome and the QW mentality throughout the course of this season, that a few of you start to say, you know what, I think, I think football is a team game. But I don't know. I don't know if they're going to get it. Uh, there's some that are just, they're going to make excuses forever and ever, and, and they just they just don't get it. They just don't get it. Don't get it. But the interesting thing about that game and a couple games that were played this week is that this is a um, trade deadline day. So if you're the Cleveland Browns, you know, there was some talk that Kareem Hunt could be on the trade block. Maybe he will be. Maybe he'll get traded today. I don't know. But if you're 2-5 and and you crush the Bengals, do you trade Kareem Hunt or do you say we're still going? I mean, what do you do? If you're the Broncos... A lot of people think they're going to trade Jerry Judy. A lot of people think they're going to trade Bradley Chubb. Um, If you're the Broncos and you finally got a win, do you do it? Or do you not worry about that and build for the future? Like, and if you're in the NFC, and if like if you were Cleveland or the Broncos, and you had and you were three and five ish. And you were in the NFC, that's very different than being three and five-ish in the AFC. So it's um that's a tough call. I, I think the Chubb the Chubb situation with Denver 
to me is it's tough on one hand, but to me it's simple. If you think you're going to sign him in the offseason, then keep him. If you think you're going to lose him to free agency in the offseason, then trade him. It's just that simple. Now, I mean, I guess you can't know that 100%, but it's just that simple to me. It, you, you just gauge whether you really think you're going to sign him or not. Because if you don't think you're going to sign him, then you got to trade him. You got to. And, uh, and, you, and try to get, I mean, you, might, you could ask for a first, but you might just get a second or maybe a second and a third or something like that. that it's all good. It's all good. High drive picks are, are good. So, since about last March, not this past March, the March before that, I've been screaming, the Saints need a running back. How many times have I said that on this show? Superman will get hurt. That's a given. It's a lock. It, it, it's, it's not second-guessing. I said it the whole offseason. Superman will get hurt. I'm not Nostradamus, but it's just, it's just, it is what it is. He, Superman will get hurt. It's not if, it's when. So now he's out a month. Big shocker there. And they don't have a running back. Because somebody got it in their mind last year that Latavius Murray's not a good NFL running back. Where did that come from? I, I just, I will never understand what happened with him. Never. That cat's running downhill for the Broncos right now. Just running over people into the end zone. So now the Saints don't have a running back. Dwayne Washington is a special teamer. He's not a running back. I don't want to hear Dwayne Washington's name. Got to have a running back. They better get one. It's about 15 months too late for me, but you better get one. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin. Yes, sir. Who you want to trade? No, I was saying the Broncos probably need to trade Bradley Chubb unless they think they're going to sign him. Right, right, right. Okay, all right, right. Okay, Kevin, this is quick now. You trying to set this bomb in. Did you say Christmas movies? I misheard it. We watch Christmas movies at our house. Um, in July, because they have that Christmas in July series, and then oh no, oh no, oh, no. we on that Hallmark thing. Well, this is actually the new outfit, the uh, the spinoff shawls, uh, GAC. All right, Kevin, I, I just wanted to clarify. That's all. Look, thing. look, when, 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 they, when they announced that the, that the, when they announced that the, that the World Series game was rained out, Michelle, text, Michelle texted me, looks like a Christmas movie night. Of course, she still got mad at me because I was watching the Monday night game on my, not the game, but like the, you know, the play-by-play on my phone. She said, you can't go one night. You can't go one night without sports. I'm like, I'm watching Christmas movies. What you want me to do? 
I don't have a se- I don't I don't I don't have a serious problem with watching them. It's just when yeah, there's but it's like the one where the, the, the mean lawyer comes back to town and they and they realize that they always missed and they Oh no, know, they, it's they, those they, kind they, like they, the they, they, it is uh it is very formula, yes, yes. Okay, all right, I, I just was checking because you know it's just kind of like the same recurring. It's kind of like Groundhog Day, the same movie just played. It, 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 it very similar. The yes. Characters look, yes, the characters look a little different, but they're basically, you know, six two, two hundred pounds, and they rich lawyers, doctors, or whatever, and they and they realize what they lost in their hometown. I'm just yeah. checking. I'm, yeah, I got you. I'm yes. Okay, all right, Kevin. Listen, that's it. I want to verify. Yeah. So okay. That I can. I can ask you some questions about that in the future. All you right. Know, you know, I don't partake in the most. Thank God my wife can't stand those movies either because my mother keeps them on 24-7. But anyway, okay, go show, man. You feeling good, I bet, huh? No, I'm not feeling good. No. <laughs> Not feeling good. Okay, Kevin. We're going to do it, man. I, I, I keep I'm hearing, Manny, how the Astros have way more pitching than the, than the Phillies, but I'm not seeing it. Well, I keep waiting. Uh, I, I keep waiting for no. this to feel like, oh, we got all this pitch. Over 162, we got way more pitching than them. But over yeah, seven, wait, wait. Get, get, guess you what? But Frammer only there. gets to pitch Dominic twice. Framer only gets to pitch twice, and guess what? The Astros have scored as many runs against the Phillies bullpens than you and I have. The same amount of I runs. Know, I realize that. And guess what else? Verlander's got to pitch again. Yes. Too, so, At some know, point, he's get to get he short, gets to get lit again. Short, yes. They scored five or six runs that night. So, yes. You know that's another negative. <laughs> Keep waiting. Tonight, I feel like McCullough is going to be dealing tonight, Kevin. The curveball is going to be all like But again, again, that only is good. Again, that's only good if you have an umpire that calls the corners. If you have an umpire that doesn't call the corners, then tonight's going to be a complete nightmare. If we can score at least five runs, too. That's all. We've got to score at least five runs. Oh, I think you need more than five. Well, that's what I'm saying. At least. You just have a chance. Yeah. you got to have five. Yes. Okay. All right, Kevin. I'll Thanks. talk to you later. All right. <sighs> High anxiety. I, I I was getting hammered yesterday at the presser because people say that my standards are too high. That I shouldn't expect an NFL kicker to make a kick indoors with a 17-point lead, 30-something-yard field goal. That is, That's too high. I should not expect a second baseman in the World Series to cover the bag on the play of the middle. I should not expect that. That's that's my standards are too high. It's gonna be a rough week. High anxiety. High anxiety. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back. I also stumbled across something since yesterday's show. Not happy about. Typical NFL cheating. We'll tell you what that is next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. 
Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, if you would like to be one of the first people to see Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, the new movie, if you would like to get on the guest list, guest list for a private viewing at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard on November the 10th, this is what you need to do. Text PANTHER to 337-283-8100. Text PANTHER to 283-8100, and you might... Be able to see, get, a, be a part of a private viewing of the movie. Again, brought to you by the Celebrity Theaters in Broussard, uh, Sherman Insurance, and The Game. All right, The Game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you think that, if you are a QW and you think I'm wrong, certainly feel free. I would love to discuss that with you, that football is not a team game in that it's a game, essentially a game of horse uh, between quarterbacks. We can cert- If you believe that, we can certainly discuss it. If you agree with me, certainly we can discuss that as well. I wonder, I, don't, I doubt there are very many people in Cincinnati and L.A. in La La Land for sure. They weren't in, no one, no, there's no way anybody in La La Land knows enough football to understand what a medicine season is. But uh, they're having them, trust me. Um. If you would talk, like to talk about the World Series, certainly feel free to call about that as well. But I stumbled that there are a lot of things that the NFL does that is just, I call it cheating. You can say, well, it's just unfair. You can just say some people who I think a little on the naive side say, um, well, it just fell that way. I've heard that argument. Uh, I don't buy them. Now, I'm not saying that necessarily someone, like, something can fall away, and then, but I still think there has to be someone that goes back and look and says, you know what, that's just not fair. We, we, we've got to avoid this situation. And yesterday I made a comment that the Saints – are uh, going to play a Monday night game, short week, and they were going to be going on the road. Should not? I don't think that should happen, but I think that should be avoided as much as possible. But it's not really, really bad. But I didn't realize the full story until I looked at the schedule. This is where the NFL cheats you. And not only are the Saints playing a short week on a Monday night and then going on the road, they're playing a short week and then going on a road to a team who has a bye week this week. That should never, ever ever happen ever see you, 
if they want to keep things fair, you see, because they, this doesn't happen to all the teams in the league. It doesn't even happen to most of the teams in the league. You know, the NFL's got most of the country buffaloed. First of all, they, they've got most of the people in the world because many people who are who pay it, not all, but many people who follow sports were athletes at some point in their lives. And so they were told by the coaches that officials don't decide games. And I understand that they have to think that way. It's not true, but they have to think that way. So, so much of the fan base and the media has been Buffalo, but thinking that officials don't determine games. Well, of course they determine games. If they didn't determine games, then they would be in the stands. They're on the field making decisions, so of course they determine the outcome of games. Of course they do. But that shows you how you could lie, you could you can put out a lie for so long, and so many people and people really believe that lie. It's it's just remarkable. And then they've got you figured, oh, it's just random. These, this NFL schedule is random. No, there's nothing random about it. The NFL schedule is not random. This stuff didn't just happen. Now, some part of it is random, maybe. But when you look at the result of that random schedule, when it comes out, you have to fix the, where it's not accurate, where it's not fair, I should say. You have to fix it. And no team should be on a short week and then have to go on the road to a team that had a bye week. That should never happen, ever. Especially a team that already had to give up a home game and go to London. It's And I, don't have, I didn't do a big, huge study of this year's schedule, but last year they did one. And, and they showed over a certain amount of time, and, and, and it was not equitable. Some teams never. Some teams don't have to do this stuff all year long, and 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 then there's. It's not just the Saints. There are other teams that have to do it. It's not equitable. I told. I've told y'all for years. Like the the year that Jameis threw all the, the year that Jameis, threw all them interceptions, people misinterpreted that. But the other thing that people didn't get because they don't because they buy lies and they don't look at the whole story is Tampa Bay had an extremely unfair schedule. The NFL cheated them big time with their schedule. That that schedule they had to play that year was not it was not fair. And 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 they don't care because they've got most of you buffaloed because you believe all the lies. That should never happen. That's how the NFL cheats teams. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin. Yes, sir. Kevin, you're about to start another segment. Are you going to a uh, commercial break? In a little while. Go ahead. After me? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going into commercial break. I want you to take this. I might not never call you again after I tell you this, but stop cheating your wife, Kevin. What are you talking this. about? Stop cheating your wife. Give her one day without sports. One day, Kevin. I watched the Christmas. I watched two Christmas movies don't, last night. Why? How is that be cheating? Don't on your phone watching the sports on the side. Oh. Cut the phone off. Tune out sports completely, Kevin, and tune into that Hallmark Channel, Kevin. But we tune were watching in. GAC last night. That's like you the, what? They they got a they got a big they got a on the on the on the Christmas holiday movie front. They got a big battle going around. You got a lot of bunch of people that get, that got away from Hallmark. And they form something they call GAC. So they got it, 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 it's you know it's like um, it's like Evangel and Calvary Baptist. You had like a little break off. 
a schism. <laughs> this, but look, I agree with Michelle. These are supposed to long for one day, Kevin. And number two, the expectations are too high, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. too high. Yeah. <laughs> oh, They're man. too high, Kevin. I'm going to talk to you next hour, Kevin. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. They tell me yesterday, well, you expect everything to be perfect. No, I don't expect things to be perfect. As a Saints fan, if I expected things to be perfect, you know, I'd I'd be in an insane asylum right now. In fact, some people might think that I need to be anyway. But no, I mean you you got you got you can't miss that field goal. It's just it's it's mind-boggling. Like at least Eddie Panero had pressure on it yesterday. The game was on the line. You have 17 nothing, everything's good and you're going to throw a flying in ointment because you got this one job and you can't do it. I mean, jobs kicks don't get any easier than that one. Cover second base, cat. What are you doing? But no, it's it's unbelievable. So the Saints, I don't know that they can beat the Ravens. I don't see how they're going to beat the Ravens unless that's day one coming back and the, and 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 they're going to have to put more people in the box to keep Lamar Jackson from gashing them. And they're going to have to be able to trust their corners on the outside. If not, then I don't know how they're going to tackle Lamar Jackson. How are they going to do that? I, I don't I don't quite get that. But if they win that game, and, and, you know, every time the Saints play the Ravens, it's this physical game that just wears you out. I mean, it, it, that game, what was that, in 2017 when, when Tucker missed the extra point and the Saints won by my perfect score of 24-23, that game from beginning to end was probably the most physical, intense, play-for-play game you ever want to see. Like, if that thing's on replay, go back and watch that. That game was unbelievable. The, the Saints, when they won at Baltimore, when Justin Tucker missed that extra point. That was unbelievable. The game. That was back when Superman could, could run. But anyway... Um, it, I, I don't know how to do it. But then, they, then they're then they going to play Monday night, and then they're going to go on the road. And that's bad enough. But then to go on the road on a team that just had a bye week, that you, you, you got to do better than that. It's cheating. They can call it whatever they want, even if it was an inadvertent thing. That You got to look at it and correct it and say, no, we can't do this. This is not fair. We got to do the right thing. The NFL doesn't care about the right thing. I've I keep telling y'all that over and over and over again. And 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 they're never going to do things fairly because they've got most of the country buffaloed. So they don't need to do things fairly. They just don't need to. They they don't. And they're not gonna and they don't care. I'm just telling you, it's not it's not fair. Most of the league doesn't have to go through this and 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 have those advantage disadvantages and 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 so it's not fair, and, and they don't care. And most of you don't because you believe all the lies that they feed you. Like little people in a third-world country who just believe what the dictator says. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back, shift gears, talk World Series with Michael Schwab. If he can calm me down, then, man, he's going he's gonna to earn some brownie points because I, my anxiety and fears for this World Series matchup are going, are, are going haywire right now. We'll see if Michael Schwab... What he can, 
Uh, if he agrees or disagrees or can calm me down like Luke does sometime, we'll see how that plays out. We'll do that on the other side of this timeout on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And, of course, I got all these, oh, you're an idiot. And, you know, what kind of safe fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. know if we're going to have sun in Philly tonight, but last I saw it was going to be overcast at best, not raining like yesterday. Speaking of that, before we get to our friend Michael Schwab of the Juice Box Journal, want to remind you, you can listen to Game 3 of the World Series, Astro Launch at 6.30, first pitch set for 7.03. You can hear all the action right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Hello, Mr. Michael. How are you, sir? But I'm doing good, and there is no sun here in Houston because of all this rain. But it wouldn't matter because we've got a roof. But exactly, I, Philly. <laughs> I, you know, I say that all the time. I said it at Yankee State a couple years ago. My wife and I and family we took a big family voyage, Wally World voyage, and we drove to. Um, Niagara Falls and back, and we went to a Yankee game, and, and and it's raining, and they delayed it, and I'm like, man, they need to put a roof on this rinky-dink outfit, and here we got another rinky-dink outfit in Philly. You build a new stadium, you don't put a roof on it. What's wrong with these people? I Seriously, what's wrong with them? We got baseball that goes into mid-October when it starts getting rainy. Uh, I mean, what are these teams thinking? Just get a roof or something, these poverty, poverty teams. Yeah, yeah, the Yankees, you know, they – well, not and again, not only that. In when they play games in April, they freeze to death. Who wants to freeze to death? <laughs> I think it's for the love of the game, right? They think baseball should be played outside. Oh. You know, I get it, but you know, we got to think about the fans, and we got to make sure a game happens. We can't be moving these times around. I yeah, want to see the I, I, I think I, I think it's awful. All right, so he, here's my big concern. You tell me. My anxiety is really high right now. And, again, we're speaking with Michael Schwab of the Juice Box Journal. Before I forget, because I'm all fired up right now, let people know how they can get your information. Absolutely. Yeah, find me on Twitter, Michael Schwab 13 uh, And you can follow my newsletter, the Juice Box Journal, by looking on my profile and subscribe there. All right. So I keep hearing – that the Astros are going to have this big advantage in the pitching. And look, there is absolutely no doubt, not even the Phillies would argue, over 162 game, the Astros pitching is way better. Not just in the Phillies, but just about every team in Major League Baseball. But over a seven-game series, I'm just not convinced that that really matters that much. It might, and I hope it does. But especially with this rainout, do you really think the Astros have a pitching advantage that's going to really play itself out for the rest of this series? Right. So, you know, because of this, because of the postponement, it made things a little hectic in regard to the pitching matchups. And Houston dodged a bullet, and I'll get to that in a second. So we had McCullers going against Noah Syndergaard last night. That got postponed to today. Game three will be McCullers for Suarez, their lefty, who's doing pretty well. 
Uh, if it would have been a situation to where it would have been Suarez, then Nola, then Wheeler, then the advantage is gone. But because of how things worked out and because the reporting was that Zach Wheeler is dealing with um, just some endurance issues, he's going to go game six now. Now it's going to be, for the, for the Philadelphia Phillies, it's going to be Suarez, Nola, then Syndergaard. So that tips everything in the favor for the Astros because now the, the, uh, the Phillies are facing the best four starting pitchers and the Astros are facing some of the, the rem- remnants. Syndergaard, they've played very well against when he was with the Angels. Uh, he didn't, they didn't score a run versus him to start the year, but then they lit him up pretty good in the middle of the season. So I, they got his number. Uh, the Astros are hit very well against lefties. So that's Suarez tonight. So uh, from a hitting perspective, I think they'll be good. From a pitching perspective, the Astros also have a, a tremendous bullpen. And that's where you're going to start seeing if the Phillies need to go to a bullpen game, the Astros can throw a starter out there like Garcia or Katie, and that already gives them more advantage. But I still think if they lose tonight, talking about the Phillies, I, I don't. I would not shock me if he used Syndergaard in relief at some point. You, you, you don't think that, uh, and he would change that plan. Well, I mean, if they use Syndergaard in relief, they don't have a starter for Game Five. They, I mean, Wheeler. I mean, Wheeler could pitch. They just don't want him to, right? I mean, it. He would have what he'd be pitching on. What five or six days rest? Well, I mean, how? I mean, absolutely. I think they could they could change it out any way they want. But ha- if that was the case, I think they would have already planned him to be out there and do Syndergaard as relief. I mean, I I think I was reading that Syndergaard hasn't pitched more than thirty five pitches this postseason in the game. Right. So he's going to have to release the tank, uh, open the tank up on and on game five, uh, and you know maybe maybe Wheeler starts feeling better. But, you know, it, it seems like they don't want to rush him out there because then that just screws them over for game six. It just now, seems I, – I, I, go, ahead. go ahead. It just seems like Thompson is managing different than most other men. Like, most other managers have a plan. He he seems to be so far – like, he goes game to game, and if he has to use this guy in this spot, I'm going to win today, I'm going to worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Don't you get that feeling about him more than most managers? I think he's very much – kind of still surprised that he's in the World Series. And because of that, he's managing game by game trying to get through it. Right. Uh, and and, and what's, that's where you start seeing the advantage from the Astros' perspective. Now, let's just, let's just get some con- – uh, let's kind of think about this for a little bit. We're a comebacker away from being up 2-0. Now, if Verlander didn't drop that comebacker in the third inning and, you know, where he could have got an easy double play. Yep. Uh, then he starts. They score th- three runs off of him from that moment. Then we're talking about the Astros up two and zero, and everyone's just dogging on Verlander. He's your Cy Young winner. He's going to go Game Six. Um, I-, I think what you got to realize is that you know the Phillies are overmatched from a hitting and pitching perspective. Now they got great hitters for sure, but they strike out a lot. They strike out a lot, and the Astros have incredible strike throwers, and so. Uh, I think Thompson is just like flying at the seat of his pants, trying to get these games going, these lineups out there, and they've had some pretty lucky moments. But it still shouldn't be as close as it has been, and the Astros just need to be as good as they have been for the entire season 
making the right defensive plays, doing the right, you know, executing the right pitches and hitting well. And I have been very surprised about the hitting. I mean, look at Jose Altuve. He's hitting like 400 in, in the World Series. He's back. So that's what we need to keep seeing happening more and more. You know, the defense is not, you know, Altuve made a snafu. Yuli made a snafu. This is a really good defensive team. In the postseason, the, that's not the first time the pitchers have not fielded their position in this postseason. Framber's done it in both of his games. I just the the defense needs to tighten up and and they're they're gonna have to hit. The other thing that worries me, I know it's just two games, small sample size, but they haven't. I've been hearing about how bad this Phillies bullpen is and they haven't scored a run off of it yet. Well, I mean it's a it's a law of averages for sure. That's how baseball is. You look at the ERAs for all of the starting pitchers and they're pretty good for the Phillies, but it hasn't been all season. You look at the defense for the Phillies. Uh, through the year. I mean, they, if you look at some of the top advanced stats about the Phillies defense, they're literally the bottom 25. One of the worst. Airs, everything, defensive run scored, outs above average, everything. Uh, yet they're playing pretty well. So, like, they're using borrowed time. Now, the Astros is one of the greatest defensive, uh, you know, fielding the past five years. So if they're messing up plays, that's not normal as well. So I have right. to believe, and I have to believe when you, if you're a baseball fan, that if something goes right, most of the time it usually will for baseball because of how the averaging are. If it's a bad game, you'll see that like Verlander. But it should come back. It should come back to hit, help them. And the defensive side of struggles of Phillies will come back to bite them. And I, and I guarantee tonight we may see some issues fielding-wise from the Phillies that will go the Astros' way. And that's what they do. They capitalize on mistakes. Certainly hope you're right there. All right, do you think Dusty is thinking with the day off of moving up his rotation or he's sticking with Javier for game four? Yeah, so, I mean, right now the the plan is that we'll see Javier in game four, and I don't think that's going to change. Because I think, you know, they know that Javier is big time, especially in away games. I mean, if you saw him... You know, he no-hit the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. He's got a hidden fastball and a great strikeout percentage. These are things that match up very, very well against the Phillies, who are going to struggle very much with that. So they're going to definitely keep him in game four. Uh, and, and then I think, you know, McCullers is going to do do his thing tonight. And then uh, Verlander is game five, actually. And I think he's not going to move that around. It, it's in the Astros' best interest just to win three. I think they'd be happy to win two in Philly, in Philadelphia. But, you know, it's in their best interest. Just win it all right now. McCullers, Javier Verlander, don't mess with it. All right. Do you have any idea who, because I don't, who the home plate umpire is tonight? Not yet. I don't know who it's going to be. But, I mean, what an incredible called game by the umpire, umpire in game two. He called a perfect game so we need to see more of better umpiring for the rest of it i'm just saying from a colors he's a nibbler and he's got to get corner calls or it could be a problem because he's not a guy that can get a lot of people out with his fastball if if, if he's behind in the count a lot because you got to up that don't get that didn't give corners as much as some other umps yeah i mean a couple of things that we need to do to see mccullers do well we got to make sure that his slider is hitting today now if, if that backdoor slider is coming in and getting the corner well, that's a great sign. But, I mean, his slider does the best 
when it's a swing and miss. So his sinker needs to be landing in the zone. Uh, he is a high percentage walking pitcher, and that's what happens when you have so much spin and so much breaking. He's hoping that the, the Phillies would strike out on it. So what we need to see is because he doesn't have a four seam, we need to see his sinker get in the zone and have movement so that the players will be expecting that. And then you'll see his curveball and slider come in and, and, and trick them. And that's okay if it's out of the zone. It, it is. But I mean, they have to swing if he's going to do well tonight, and they have to swing and miss. All right. What would you do about the Astros' designated hitter situation? Because so far it's been a disaster. It's been a complete disaster. And, you know, I mean, what I would love is if they would have got a better designated hitter at the trade deadline. That's another story. Um, Mancini and Diaz have been terrible at DH. I mean, Jordan's been great at DH, but he's mostly played left field. I, I think that David Hensley tonight, the rookie, the rookie, uh, is getting his chance. They're going to, he will be in the lineup tonight at designated hitter. We'll see what happens. He's had decent at bats. He doesn't have a hit yet in the postseason, uh, but it's better than the other guys <laughs> so far. Uh, and he's, you know, he's excited. So. These are the, your three options. It's Mancini, Diaz, or Hensley. I'm just hopeful that Hensley just balls out tonight, and then that's where your designator hitter is fixed. Uh, I mean, a lot of these players, a lot of the batters have been, you know, punching above weight. Chaz McCormick, Maldi have been punching above weight. So maybe the DH position can do that tonight. That would be that would be tremendous. Well, I got to tell you, you. <laughs> I hope you're. I hope next Tuesday I can talk to you and say, "Man, you were totally right, and all my fears were unwarranted." But, uh, <laughs> oh man, this—it's just the pressure of the of, of being. You know, if there was no 2019, if there was no last year, I think I'd be a little more calm. But I've seen all this stuff go the other way recently, and it—it's just the anxiety. Every pitch is just maximum anxiety in the World Series. Well, I mean, this is what it takes to be an Astros fan. 86, 1980, the 2004 World Series. I mean, everywhere it just seems that the Astros can get there and then not close it out all the time. And then you had 2017 where they finally did it. Yeah. But uh, I, I think there's always anxiety-inducing, you know, fears about being an Astros fan. And what's different about this team is just that they are that good. They've never been – historical pitching like the Astros this year. So you can you can hedge your bets on that for sure. But I get it. You know, if you're an Astros fan, you're you're nervous until you see the final out and you got the chip. And there's nothing wrong with feeling that way. But when I look at the matchups, I'm still feeling confident. You know, it's one and one tonight. If if it's two and one Astros favor, then you can you can rest I'll sure feel a lot better. better Absolutely. Well, look, I appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much, sir. Enjoy it. Thanks, Kevin. Have a good one. Take care. Michael Schwab at the Juice Box Journal. He is very confident. He's going on the, again, on the, on the, on the premise that in the end, the better team's going to win. But it, it's baseball. Like, the Braves had all that great pitching in the 90s, and they didn't always win in the World Series. They rarely won in the World. It just, I just don't think baseball works out that way, but I hope it does this time. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back, finish out the first hour on the game. Oh, great song. And, and some could argue that I am a victim of love with my favorite teams because <laughs> anxiety overload. 
Oh, they're killing me. Uh, welcome back to Footnotes. If you listen to Michael, he is not thinking like me. Now, I don't know if you noticed that. He is not thinking like me. He's thinking, and, and not just me. There are a lot of people. When I walked in, Raymond was saying, well, this, uh, this day off is not good. Gives the Phillies the advantage. Michael thinks it gives the Astros the advantage. I mean, I see the arguments. There's logic behind arg- both ways. Um, who knows how it's going to actually turn out. But again, it's only going to turn out the Astros way if they hit. I, I just, I just really struggle to believe that they're going to go to Philly and they're just going to shut that offense down, just shut it down. And they're going to win three to two or four to two or two to one. I just, I just don't see it happening. Don't see it happening. But, but Michael brought up something that that we kind of hint on, but we didn't really delve into, and that's fielding your position. It, I, I just, I think it's one of the most least talked about, most important things in the game of baseball. A, fi- a pitchers that field their position, and the Astros pitchers are have been terrible at it in this postseason. Terrible. Field your position. Now, Lance McCullough's pretty good at it normally. Um, but no, Framber, as great as I, much as I love Framber, he's, he don't field his position. They got to field their positions. We'll be back for another hour next. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS 5 with the game hotline 706 706-0111. 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in, discuss the World Series, which side are you on? Are you agreeing with Michael? And look, I hope he's right. Uh, There there are plenty of times in my life, especially as a sports fan, where I hope I'm wrong. I mean, plenty of times. Uh, I'm just, I, I just think I've been told since before it started, the Phillies are gonna run out of pitching. And Michael, if you listen to Michael, he obviously expects that to happen. And it's it's only two games. It's a seven-game series. That is accurate. I just, when is it going to happen? They ain't run out yet. Forget about run out. Their bullpen hasn't even allowed a run yet. The Astros have got to stop scoring like, like drive-by shooting. That's the kind of offense the Astros have. They, they hit you real quick, and they score three or four runs, and then, boom, the rest of the game, they don't do anything. Now, thankfully, Bregman hit that two-run homer. But besides that one swing, they didn't come close to scoring the rest of the game. They you got to be able to manufacture a run every three or four innings. You can't just go six, seven innings, and if you don't hit a home run, well, you oh, that's it. You have no chance to score. We got three. We got four. Now, 
over the course of the over the course of 162 games, their pitching is so good that works a lot of nights. That's how come they won what 106 games in the regular season, but that doesn't necessarily work at Philly in the World Series or at you know Atlanta in the World Series. You you gotta you gotta be able to manufacture some runs here and there to help your pitching. I hope I'm wrong. Man, I you know, the way he looks at it is Verlander is not a problem pitching. He if if he's right, if he feels his position, the Astros win the game. I think that's correct. I think that was an accurate statement. But he didn't and then he got lit. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hello, Kevin. Yes, sir. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Uh, a couple questions for you, you know, to kind of piggyback on what you said about the runs, you know, and the lack of runs. If you are the designated hitter in the game, can you move to another position? Uh, let's say Vasquez was your DH, and Maldi got hurt. Yeah, they could, could move him move? to catcher, yeah. Now, you would lose that, the DH, you would have to put it. But, yeah, you could do that. Yes, sir. Okay. So, I mean, why don't they try him as a DH? Uh, well, I guess it's a little tricky because, I mean, and they and they have done that in the regular season. But if Maldi, you know, you could move him to catcher, but, I don't, you know, I guess it's a little tricky if, if you only play nine innings, you could do it. But if the game would go 13 or 14 innings, it, it might get a little tricky and sticky there. And, and, and you know, I guess it's an option. Uh, again, they have done that in the regular season before, so it's not like he's never done it. Um, I think he's going to give Hensley a chance. Uh, and, and I also think he likes having Vasquez in his back pocket, one, to be a backup catcher if you want to pinch hit for, for Candy at some point, but also to, to pinch hit in a two-out situation when he wants him, not necessarily when he's up in the batting order, you know. And so I, I think those are the two reasons. It's not something a lot of managers do. I don't think he would do it. But if Hensley goes 0 for 4 with three strikeouts and doesn't compete like Mancini and Diaz have not competed, he, he, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he did it. Yeah, I'm all for giving Hensley a try. I guess my second question would be, they need to find out if they're going to, you know, a pinch hitter is great, but that's one at bat. Your DH, theoretically, is going to get a minimum of four at bat. Right. So, they need to find, in my opinion, who is the best contact hitter for that position. We're striking out way too many times with men on base. Yes. And I, I think position. I think the answer and to your question is the, Hensley. The, you think it's going to be I, I think Hensley's a better contact hitter, yes. Okay, because if you put the ball in play, you never know what's going to happen. You know, but I mean, if you're just striking out, that's it. I mean, especially against yeah. the Phillies, who normally are not a good, great defensive team. I, I get your point. Yes, sir. So, okay. Well, 
I can't take another game like Friday oh, night. That's no. three years off of my life. Yes, I'm uh, with you. I'm so. with you. And, and think about this. I was covering a high school game, so I'm trying to pay attention to the game. Michelle's trying to calm me down because I'm banging my head on, on, on the table in the press box because they're, you know, they're doing when they do things I don't like. And then I got to go do post game interviews in the middle of the. I'm sitting there about to interview a coach, and I just saw on my phone that Naris got that big strikeout, so I'm pumping my fist. I mean. And then I had to get on. Oh, it was just nerve-wracking. Crazy. Well, one thing I noticed, and I'm going to end it on this with Verlander, other than him not fielding the pitch, you know, because I had went in and told my wife to score, and I'll never do that again. Yes. <laughs> you I'm know, with you, I yes. I came back and sat down, that's when things started unraveling. But if you noticed with the foul balls, they were hitting those foul balls hard. Yes. And I was like, they are starting to see his pitches. Yes, I said the same thing. And he I, needs to adjust. And he did not seem to adjust his pitches. You know, no, I'm with so, you. And, and, you know, Castellanos is the guy I hate facing the most, I think. And, 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 you know, even he's, you know, Michael and what you said about him not feeling the pitch was accurate. But the first RBI they got was a really a good pitch, and Castellanos went to the dirt and and and, and just kind of golfed an RBI single to left to give them their first run. And that you got to give Castellanos credit for that because he had no business hitting that pitch like that. But all right, hopefully uh, we'll get a win tonight, man. Th- thank all you. Right. I agree with everything he said except. The only thing is, I just hate double plays. So now Hensley, for a big guy, has got pretty good speed, I believe. So I just hope he doesn't hit into any double plays. But I also sometimes in the World Series you get a kid like Hensley who's probably not even supposed to be there, and he steps up and he doesn't even know he's not supposed to be there, and he and he becomes an unlikely hero, and most of the country don't even know who he is. Most Astro fans don't even know who Hensley is. So that would I'd be all for that. I'll vote for that. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin, it's T. What's happening, man? How you doing, sir? Good. Listen, we're going to have to get with Mr. Nerva before softball starts for sure for our little sauce pecant, ribeye sauce pecant and corn supper there. Oh, I'm all for that. I, I, I love them. The man can cook. I love, I love, um, eating his food i'm all for it good deal so i got a question about you (laughs) could you ever watch a saints game or an astros game and not and not look at the negatives and just look at the positives uh, yeah, the only time I can do that is one a preseason game, maybe. Although I'm always worried about injuries for the starters, and if the Astros like, I did that for an entire season. I call them hammock seasons. Like if the Astros win the World Series this year, next year the entire year is going to be a hammock season. So there, it's only looking at the positive. So, like, yeah, the answer to your question is the year after you win the Super Bowl or the World Series. That's the only time. Every other time, you're fighting and scratching and clawing, and, and, and I, you know, I'm in the fight in my mind. I'm No, I'm not really in the fight, but as a fan, in my mind, I'm in the fight. So the only time that that happens is what I call hammock seasons, the year after you win the Super Bowl or the World Series. Okay, that's understandable. Yeah. But, uh, and I, I'm going to – 
agree with you as last caller. I think they ought to give Hensley a, a, a try. And Michael said, uh, you know, again, at least I don't know where he got that, but he, when he interviewed him, he, he it's his understanding that Hensley's going to DH tonight, so we'll see. Good deal. Go Astros. All right. Thank you. People keep telling me that hammock seasons are not accurate or not real, but they are. Like, if the Astros win the World Series, there is no pressure next year. There is no uh, there is none of that. It's a hammock season. You just can lay back. Whatever happens, happens. It's a hammock season. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. I need a hammock season. After what the Saints have done to me the last two or three years, after 19, the pandemic year, the Saints, I, I, if, the, if the Astros can win the World Series, I mean, I'm going to, it's going to, next season is going to just be a pleasure cruise. I'm going to feel like I'm Tom Brady. Hammock season. Just lay back. Give me a good, uh, get, you know, I, it's hard to eat rice and gravy laying down, but I'd try. You could put it like in a, you know, just, I'm looking forward to it. But that's the answer to that gentleman's question. Is uh I other than that, I I'm in the fight. I'm I'm you know, everything is um and also those who know me over the years understand that I also have this self-preservation mechanism inside me. You 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 got to prepare yourself for the worse. Therefore, you when the bet when the good thing happens, it's even it's even sweeter. It's even sweeter. And so um if you only go into a game thinking, well, we got this, first of all, that's just silly macho football talk. But but second of all, when the worst happens, then you're not prepared for it. Um and so no, I don't I don't play that game. I don't play that game. But, no, I'm looking forward to a hammock season. Got to win this World Series next year. Zero stress with the Astros for an entire season. The fight the fight returns two years from now once you win the World Series. Tremendous. Tremendous. All right. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll shift gears. Probably talk a little Astros, but talk Cajun football with Cody Juno, Cajun sideline reporter. Next on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home. For the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Oh, pleasure cruise. Pleasure cruise. Now, a sports career where things seemingly came easy as the player was surrounded by the best players, the best coaches, and caught all the breaks. Also known as Tom Brady's career. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Whoa. 
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Bikes, Brews, and Omelets 2 returns this weekend. You can enjoy some of the best cycling in South Louisiana and finish the day with food, live music. Register now at latrail.org. There's a variety of routes ranging from 10 to 100 miles. Saturday's Path explores St. Martin Parish and ends up at Taunt Marie's with hot gumbo. Sunday starts and finishes in Abbeville just in time for the giant omelet celebration. So sign up at latrail.org. All right, we have with us our weekly 1015 Tuesday guest, Mr. Cody Juno. Are you on Michael Schwab's side or no, Mr. Cody? I'm going to need a little bit more context. I was working this morning, so I haven't had the opportunity All right, so to, uh, to listen Ma- in yet. Michael Schwab thinks that the Astros still have this giant pitching advantage, and it's all going to play out, and you know their, their pitching is just way better, and the Phillies aren't going to have enough pitching, and it's going to show up over the series, and the Astros are going to win in probably five, but maybe six. Well, I think that the Astros are the better team, and I think we need to recognize that. Um, you know, with that being said, they are – they being the Phillies, they are in the midst of this magical playoff run. Um, and even if they weren't, the, the the simple answer is, I hate the playoffs. <laughs> I, hate, I mean, that's, that's the simple answer, right? Like, every pitch. Um, it's, just... it's so much more nerve-wracking watching, Whoa. you know, the bottom or the top half of the inning when that, whenever the Astros are, are pitching, right, uh, than it is for me even, even when the Astros are hitting. Um and it's yeah no it's it sucks but it's also at the same time right like I mean I think you understand yes uh, that aspect of it yes it, and so and, and to me right like the Astros are the better team and that's not close yet how does game one happen it, it's right? baseball right. It, it, it and again I'm gonna feel a little bit better first of all they have to score a run over the Phillies bullpen like I keep hearing. How bad the Phillies bullpen is, and it has been for forever, it seems like. But the Astros well, so, still have not scored I mean, a run off of it. Well, you know, and the Phillies also couldn't catch the baseball for most of the year, and yet they make two great defensive plays that save them game one, right? Yes. Again, they're on this heater, you know, so that's, again, the bottom line is playoffs suck. <laughs> it's just every – all right. Cajun football, you know – you tried to do it. I tried to do it. Uh, you know, we all tried to say, well, all that history don't matter. And all those years in the 80s and the 90s and it being a nightmare and going to Hattiesburg, none of that has anything to do with this team. And then I'm looking up at the scoreboard and it's 29 to 5. And I'm like, they keep telling me history don't matter, but uh, I don't believe it. Yeah, and, and I guess. I mean, maybe there is some voodoo, right, to, to playing it in, in Hattiesburg for the Cajuns that they'll have to find a way to overcome. Uh, but the reality is, right, when you go 0 for 5 and fourth down, you uh, give them, you know, you throw three interceptions, and I get it, maybe only one you could say was on the quarterback, uh, and, and, and you fumble the football, you know, and, and combine for four turnovers. Oh, and then, oh, by the way, give up three huge shot plays that go for touchdowns. I don't care where you're playing, Kevin. You can be playing on the moon. You could be playing at Cajun Field. You're not going to win a lot of games like that. And yet, going, you know, it reminded me of the Rice game. Having played as bad as they are, you know, the Cajuns this time it was with about four minutes to go at that Rice game. It was about six minutes to go. Have an opportunity to, you know, tie the ball game or yes. in the Rice game go ahead, right? Like so, 
and, and I think that's what's been so frustrating watching this season unfold is that the Cajuns have been right there, yet they've made the just the plays that you know the, the mistakes that just can't happen, uh, and they've and they've shown up you know way too often. Now the difference in the in this game and the Rice game is in the Rice game the offense really didn't have much rhythm. But and and the offense didn't have a lot of I don't know rhythm, but they showed it some did, really big playability. Right? They showed some big playability, so there was reason to believe it could happen at the end of the well, Southern Miss. That and and you know uh, Southern Miss defense came out and they played well, but coming out of halftime, right? The Cajuns are running the football on that drive and and really kind of doing what they want, and then all of a sudden Chris Smith puts it on the ground and you know and and, and you come up empty at the end of the half, right? You get a touchdown. Defense gets you the ball back, and you come up empty. Again, those sort of things just um, you know. Even though happen. they were right, even though they were down twenty nine to five, if they had just turned it over twice instead of four times, I still think they win the game. But it's four turnovers is just so hard to overcome. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's just it's just difficult. All right, so moving, you, you've got four games left. Uh-huh. You, you got to try to get to six at least. And then again, I don't even know if they would go to a bowl at six because I haven't looked at that whole big picture puzzle. And I, I, I don't know. But uh, I don't even, you know, getting to six is not going to be easy. Now, if Texas State, if Texas State was the first game, the problem is if you lose two of the next three or three of the next three, then the Texas State games gets even more difficult than it would have probably been, even though you own Texas State in football. It's just where it's located is kind of could be kind of tricky. So this game is huge um, Saturday. Oh, you're absolutely right. It's huge in, in, in the, the buildup to six, right? Because what you don't want to do is get yourself in a position – um, where, again, you drop this one, with the UK, you still got three opportunities. One of those is against Florida State. And so, um, yeah, and then, you know, you've got a Georgia Southern team that's playing really well. Take care of your business this week and then kind of give yourself some, quote, breathing room. But in real, in reality, you win this week. Now, okay, now instead of getting to six, you've got the opportunity to get to seven, right? I'm going to, you know, maybe eight, depending on what happens at, at Florida State. Um but um, it, it's going to be tough. No, this game is not that dissimilar on paper. This Marshall, uh, Southern Miss, because they're a team that they don't really do that. They're not that explosive statistically on offense, but their defense is tremendous. And so it's going to be hard to run the ball. It's going to be hard to put together long drives, which it was like, for a while there, the middle of the first quarter, you were like, are the Cajuns even going to better get a first down in Hattiesburg? So they, they kind of went to like, let's throw the ball down the field. Is that what they need to do in this game? Well, we talked about it last week, right? The game plan was going to be similar to what we saw at Marshall. Come out, throw the football, soften them up a little bit, back them up so that way you can then try to run the football. And, I mean, yeah, the way that, again, it's lined up for the Cajuns between South Alabama, that was the game plan, right? Uh, Marshall, that was part of the game plan. And it's going to be more of the game plan here uh, Saturday afternoon. So, if you were the head coach, how many carries would you give Zylan Perry in Saturday's game? 
Well, I thought it was interesting. Uh, I think it was you that asked him, right, about playing. And um, I think he's going to have the second. I think he should have the second most touches behind Chris Smith because he gives you that explosiveness, the ability once you get to the second level to pop it and go. And no other Cajun back has proven to be able to do that this year. I, you know, any coach you're going to second guess. I mean, there are people second-guessing Dusty Baker. He's in the World Series for the second straight year. Any coach you're going to second guess. So I am not, you know, Coach Dez is taking his fair share of criticism from, from you know, certain sections of the, of the Cajun population this year. But the thing that I don't get as much as just about anything else that I don't get this year is why – is Lance Lejeune still not a Wildcat weapon option? And and they've done it like once or twice, but I'd rather him be doing that on fourth and one than running Chris Smith on fourth and one. I Again, I think you and I are, are there in the same boat, right? Like he's one of your better, if not your best, offensive playmaker. Get the football in his hands, and whether that's as a receiver, as a running back in, in, in the wild um, – you know, in the Wildcat, whatever it may be, like, get him the football. I, I Again, all, all the – I understand that early in the season it might have been too complicated because you were dealing with two quarterbacks and, 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 and an offensive line that wasn't together yet, and it just probably seemed like let, let's master some basics here before we start worrying about that. But now you got no shot of winning the West. You're just trying to get Bo eligible. You, you, you seem like you got – it's time to do that. Like, that needs to happen. Preach to the choir, my friend. I, I, don't, I don't get that part. The other thing, and one more quick about the, about the 0 for 5 on fourth down. Going into that game, Southern Miss's opponents were 2 for 11 on fourth down. That wasn't fluky. That, the stats told you that probably wasn't going to happen. I mean, look, uh, now, again, the game dictated when I think, okay, you get the turnover on the first play. Let's try to get points. You were on fringe field goal range, right? Let's not miss a kick and don't get it. Obviously, the the other result is you go fourth down and don't get it, and that's what happened. Um, you know, and then again, you get down where you have to score, you have to go for it, right? And that happened twice. So, again, I, I take those three and maybe put them put them to the side. That's fair. All right. So, do you feel like the defense? Are you worried the defense is going to get worn out and worn down uh, in these last four games, or do you feel like the defense is going to continue to be able to do kind of – because, again, I know it counts. Obviously it counts because you lost the game. But 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 other than like three or four really big plays, the defense did pretty well against Southern Miss. It's just you can't give up touchdowns on those three or four big plays. Do, or, or how worried are you about the defense? Well, uh, what, what has – been the mo of the the defense is we've seen them play great for you know in the sixty minute ball game right let's just in this scenario they have you know they're going to be on the field for thirty and the offense is going to be for the, on the field for thirty we've seen them play phenomenal for most of the year for twenty eight of those thirty minutes yet in every game there's been one two three four massive plays that can't happen right we saw it at Monroe the long touchdown yes run, the big pass on just the slant route where the guy outran everybody to put them in position, you know, to go ahead and eventually score the game-winning uh, touchdown. Southern Miss, right? I mean, three shot plays, 
and that's the difference in the ball game. And, and so we've seen it time after time again. It happened in the Eastern Michigan game, right? It's how they were able to kind of get, I think, you know, to the fourteen nothing lead at, at, at halftime. Um, and so, as good as the Cajun defense has been throughout the course of the year, there's been a spot or two or three, seemingly in every game, where you know that's talked about yesterday. You lose eye discipline or whatever it may be, and that has cost the Cajuns at Monroe. Um, you know, again, the South Alabama game, right, allowing them to get into position to, to kick that game-winning field goal, some big plays, some nice plays, right, some great plays, credit the other guys too, but they just can't happen um, when when you're fighting and battling so hard, you know, in, in, in these close contests. And Troy's got that receiver, I think he's number 15, that they're going to have to tackle. Like, they're not going to throw as many bombs, I don't believe, that would go against their M.O., but they throw underneath a lot, a lot of possession routes, but you got to tackle those to keep those from being big plays. You're absolutely right, and that that we've seen that you know come come back to bite the Cajuns behind, um, you know, a couple times this season. You know, their resolve was impressive to me. Really, I know, I, I think a lot of times we we overuse the oh they could have pitched up their tent and just quit. And I, I don't think that happens as often as we 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 make that statement. But I, the game in Hattiesburg felt like. <laughs> On the verge of that happen. So their resolve is very impressive, and yet they've got to add a little more execution to that resolve if they're going to beat Troy. Oh, again, not going to be easy. And the other thing with Troy, too, um, again, they played last Thursday, right? So they're they're coming off of essentially a bye week. Cajuns, a few extra days to get ready. But keep that in mind, Troy hasn't played since that Thursday night game against South Alabama. Is there anything before we let you go that you like about this matchup against Troy in the Cajuns' favor? I, I mean, again, the, the Troy offense has proven to be very, very inept, right, for, for most of the year. I mean, you look at, at kind of the breakdowns. Early on, they were scoring some points, um, you know, 10, 10 at Ole Miss. Okay, but only 38 against Alabama A&M. You know, they got 28 in that great Hail Mary game uh, against App State. But then, you know, 16 at Marshall, uh, go on the road, President put up 34 at Western Kentucky, 27 the next week versus Southern Miss, but then just a 17-14 win uh, over Texas State, a 10-6 win over South Alabama. They've struggled to score. But what they've done that the Cajuns haven't done while struggling to score is they've found ways to win those close games. Uh, so, again, if the Cajun offense can find a way to get off to a fast start, you like the way that the defense is playing. You like the Cajuns' chances of holding that that Troy offense in check, right? Making them really one-dimensional, where they have struggled throwing the football uh, more than they've struggled running the football. That's how I would draw it up. But you know, this Troy defense, like we kind of talked about, it, it's very similar to South Al, it's very similar to Southern Miss, very similar to Marshall. You know, I, I don't know if you ever would have thought this, but there's really good defense being played in the Sun Belt Conference. It, it it there there really is. It seems like we, we it seems like we have the same challenge and the same game plan, same matchup each week. I appreciate your time. Uh, hope we can both survive the World Series. We'll see. You got it, my friend. We'll talk All right. to you next week. Take care. Cody Juno, Cajun sideline reporter. We'll take a timeout. Come back with more on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in footlish? 
Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Benedict Arnold's. Benedict Arnold's. Now, an NFL expansion team that stole a bunch of Saints players and coaches when first created, also known as the Carolina Panthers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, if you have not joined the Game Rewards Club, you are not eligible for all kind of prizes, including a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $25 gift certificate from Mabel's Kitchen there or a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. It's free. It's simple. So sign up today, the the Game Clubhouse, by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. Speaking of the Benedict Arnolds, it just never fails. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there are some times that it, ha- it has happened over the years, but almost every time it seems that I root for a team that I really don't like, um, they let me down. It's just... It's just not a very fruitful situation. And and I wasn't, like, crushed because it's still we're just, you know, just getting to halfway through this season. And, you know, I, I think there's going to be games down the road that the Falcons are going to lose. And even though they got totally outplayed in the game, the Saints do have a win over the Falcons. So if they beat them in the Superdome, then they would have a – quote, unquote, tiebreaker, which I think is overrated because that only matters if you're tied, obviously. People, I think, overrate. I think division play is somewhat overrated because that only matters if you're tied. I mean, if I got a better record than you, it doesn't matter what my division record is. But sometimes it does come into play. So so I wasn't, like, crushed that, that they blew that game. Um, but it just, it, same old thing. It's like every time I pull for a team, I don't like to win. And I'm sitting there actually rooting for them to win um, because I have this perception in my mind that it helps the Saints. Um, it, it just almost never happens. It's just like, like the cheaters against the Rams last year. Just blew it. I mean, they had the game. They're better than them. They own them, and they just blew it. And all you know, everything looked like they were, you know, they were dominating the line of scrimmage like they always do, and this cat can't catch the football. I mean, it's unbelievable how often that happens. Anyway, uh, the game hotline is open if you would like to get in. The uh the number is 706-0111. So again, I think um, you know, the media, and I get why, they're making a big deal about Philly. Philly's played great at home. They have. They played great at home in the postseason. And their fan base is going to be all fired up. There's no arguing that. Going to be a little more fired up. Little more. It's going to be a little more raucous than, like, probably Atlanta is just because of the way the state they, – they just – they build their field where it just seems like the Philly fans are more on top of the field than it did in Atlanta last year. And even in Yankee Stadium, like, the Yankee fans are rabid, but it just – the way they build their stadium, they just don't feel like they're on top. Philly fans, they just seem like they're right on top of you because of the way the the build the, the the stadium was built. You know that stadium that has no roof on it. But um, 
So we'll see. I think the Astros will handle that part fairly well. Um, it's not like basketball where you got to have all this communication or football where you got to have all this communication. So I don't know that the noise is going to matter that much. I, I think that's why home field advantage is probably not as big a deal in baseball as it is in the other sports. Um, but every once in a while you see one. 87 Twins. They were they were markedly better at home than they were on the road. It, it, it just wasn't even an argument. 91 Twins, markedly better at home. So um, some teams just, they're way better at home than they are on the road. The Astros are really not like that. So that gives me some confidence that they can go to Philly and not get totally intimidated in that situation because they're a good road team. And plus, they're they're used to having that idea in their mind that they're out to make the other fans regret everything they're saying because of everything they've dealt with with this whole um, tr- bashing trash cans silly situation that they that they that they did to themselves. So, um, I I, th- I feel okay about playing on the road. I just wonder how many runs. Will they give up to Philly on the road? We'll see. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. How's it going, Kevin? Oh, man, nervous. How are you? Man, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous. I, w- I was nervous Friday. Man, Friday night. I mean, the bullpen, I mean, they just gave away the game. I mean, I don't – they couldn't uh, – uh, you know what it is? I think the problem is number five. We need to score more than five runs because, look, every time we get to five, it looks like it's a problem. Well, I mean, again, the bullpen, the guys who are normal relief pitchers, I think, did fine. Garcia gave up the homer. But, again, you have to, like you say, you got to score more than five runs. Verlander didn't protect the five-run lead, but the bullpen didn't give up anything until extra innings when a, when a starting pitcher that they use as a relief pitcher gave up a solo homer, which is going to happen, I guess, here and there. You're going to give up a solo homer. But you got to score more runs. You can't just score yeah. a bunch of runs and then not score any runs the rest of the game. Right. How uh, how you how Houston did uh, this year, Kevin on the road? Very good. I best they they're the best road team in baseball, and over the last five years, they got one of the best five year road records in the history of the game, if not the best road rec- roads stretch in the history of the game. So they've been a really good road team for a while. So the next three games is in Philly. Yes, sir. So man, hopefully, uh, it'd be nice if we could get it done. I mean, I don't care if we get it done over there as long as we get it done. I agree. I don't care where they celebrate. I just wanna I just wanna have that feeling. I wanna be I have a hammock hammock season all of next year, no pressure. You see the same Saints uh players playing like they come uh, come Monday night? I mean they Well, the to- matchup is totally different. I mean, you're playing a running quarterback. The Saints are set up to to, to defeat pocket passers, i.e. Tom Brady. Uh, and so that fits right into what they do well. Now, now they're facing a running quarterback, arguably the best running quarterback of all time. And so that does not b- well match up wise. No. Yeah. Well, they're gonna have to keep them in the pocket. They're gonna have to do something. Yes, sir. All right, Kevin. Nice talking to you. You brother. too. Thank you, Raymond. No, it's gonna be key for Davenport. Davenport and uh and. and you know, and Jordan to to keep him inside, they're gonna have to contain him. You can't let him get outside, or it's just you know it, it, it's awful. And, and then you got to be able to 
to be able to cover because every once in a while he hits a big play because you're worried about containing him. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Footsie. Howdy, sir. Footsie, could could you go back over? Okay, so if the Astros win the World Series, then next year is a hammock season. Hammock season. season. That means you can just relax. No pressure. So if the Astros win the World Series – you're not going to go up there and be on Gary Pettis' case. You're not going to go up there and be on Alex Bregman's case. You're not going to go up there and be on Jose Altuve's no. case, right? We're just going to be in the no we're just going to be in the hammock. Hammock the whole season. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought I heard. Yeah, and, and people say it's not that, true, but, but what? You don't believe it either. Well, I believe I can be in the hammock. I don't believe you can be in the hammock. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a hammock season. Uh, well, I, 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 okay, I'm happy Hannah's hearing this. I hope <laughs> Hannah's hearing this so we can remind you. Yeah. Now, what happens if they lose? Oh, if they lose, there's no hammock. It's just it's just angst and depression. And and then next year, just fighting from day one. Got to get back. Got to get back. Gotta, you got to keep going. Got to throw as many darts at the board as you can. I hope one of these years you hit the bullseye. Okay, because well, I, I, cause I was doing something, and I, I I didn't really hear. And so I said, well, I need to get this clarification. Yeah, no, no, no. You, you heard it right. If the Astros win the World Series next year, hammock season, no pressure. Right, no, I knew that part. I just didn't know what, what would happen if, if they lost. Oh, I, no, I, I didn't if they lost, part, it was, it, 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 it's just depression. We're we right back at square one. Right back we, at square we're one. we're going to have yep. angst, angst and depression all yes. the way, like, yes. from November whatever to – April. Yes. And then we call start over. Yes. Well, for the listeners, I hope they win. <laughs> yes. Well, I hope they win for a lot of reasons, and that's one of them. And and you need to tell your little Ravens to have mercy on us. Well, I, I, okay, I had to explain this to my friend in Baltimore. You know, I had to explain to him the Saints are the love of my life. I like the Ravens. Yeah. You know, I, I like the Ravens, but I love the Saints. I mean, right. I've been there since day one. Yeah. It, in fact, it was, what, 56 years ago today? Exactly. I'm glad you brought that up. Today is the Saints' birthday. Yes. 56 years ago today. So I was actually a small child, and my father said, every time the Saints lost, whenever we lived in Natchitoches, I would cry. So I believe I've it. been there. I've been there through. I don't cry no more. I just. Oh no. But I will say, I will say this: it's harder. Like after some, like after a loss, like the Carolina, it's it's a lot harder to 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 bounce back. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like some people bounce back on Tuesday. I'm like to about Thursday before I I can get ready for the next game. So, you know, I hope the Ravens. You know, I I like the Ravens, but I'm 100 percent for the Saints. I mean. They, they tell me better before I let you go. They tell me that I'm too hard. Like I'm not supposed to expect to make an NFL kicker to make a a thirty something yard field goal with a seventeen point lead indoors with no win, and I I shouldn't expect a second baseman to cover second base in a World Series for with two outs and a runner in score position. Those people were all raised after the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that's the only explanation, but see, I, 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 I mean, 
you know, like. I'm too hard on him. I expect perfection. Hey, I had a coach's wife when I broadcast at Canaan High School football come up and tell me I was too hard on him. I was like, well, all I can tell you is I am who I am. Uh, I don't know what else to say. (laughs) But, yeah, no. (laughs) Let me explain. We live in a way different world than we were raised in. But you know what? This lady came to the hospital. You know, my my daughter had, had my grandson on Thursday. And this lady came to the hospital on Friday. And she said that my daughter was the toughest and then the word starts with a B and rhymes with itch. Yeah. That she knew. And man, like my chest was so poked out. <laughs> and I, I told that lady, I said, I raised my daughter to be tough because you have to be tough to survive in the world. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't be soft. Man, you don't know how proud I was at that hospital. Of I can my imagine. When that lady said that. I can imagine. Well, congratulations again, sir. All right, thank you for All right. Something Bye-bye. tells me something tells me Mr. Bit is not changing a diaper though. Something tells me Mr. Bit is not changing a diaper. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's tougher than that. All right. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros and Oh, man, we've had an interesting day. We, um, I, I kind of thought Michael was going to go the way he did. And look, like I told him, I hope he's correct. I hope he can say, I told you so. You had nothing to worry about. Uh, that That's just not my in my DNA to not worry, especially um, after what I've been through. And to Michael's point as an Astro fan, not just – in 2019, and not just last year to the Braves, but, you know, in the postseason history, so often things just didn't go well. Um, Just didn't go well. And so it's got to end well, and we'll see. Um, I didn't check the weather report today, but I checked it in Philly yesterday when all the talk was about, you know, they're going to probably rain out, and they ended up raining out. And I was like, well, is, is the weather report much better? And when I looked yesterday, it was cl- partly cloudy, but mostly good. And then, you know, perfect weather for tomorrow, perfect weather for the next day. So it sounds like they made the right decision. We'll get three straight days in. If you trust the weather report, the forecast that I saw yesterday, it sa- sounded really good. And And now it's just they've got to – They've got to hit, and they got to play defense. You got to hit, and you got to play defense. I think the pitching will be good enough to, to, to hold its own, unless McCullers walks too many batters. Again, the first inning or so, two innings is going to be crucial to me because if he's getting those corner calls for those like backdoor sliders that Michael was talking about and the curveball, then I'll feel really good. But if he starts walking batters, it's not going to take much. Not going to take much. Again, sometimes baseball beats you. That's why it doesn't matter that you're better than the other team in a short series. Over 162 of you're better, it matters. In a short series, you may not even lose to the Phillies. Baseball might beat you. It just That's just why baseball is different. All right, pray for me. Y'all have a nice day. It'll be interesting. <laughs> 